This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I am immensely successful. <laughs> no, I am. And uh, no, it is true. Uh, immensely successful. Uh, but yet, uh, you'd think it'd be good enough being me. Every single day, numerous people come up to me and they say, uh, uh, what's Larry David really like? Hello and welcome to The Last Laugh. I'm Matt Wilstein from The Daily Beast. And on today's show, we have the great Jeff Garland. I had so much fun talking to Jeff when he came into the studio. And as of today, Tuesday, November 12th, you can see his first stand-up special in over a decade called Our Man in Chicago on Netflix, streaming now. It is fantastic. We talk all about the stories from his life that he works into that set, including how he nearly got fired from his show The Goldbergs for making comments on set that made someone uncomfortable, as well as his 2013 arrest that stemmed from an altercation in a parking lot that sounded a lot like something that may have happened on Curb Your Enthusiasm. I was also able to get some good dirt from him on the upcoming 10th season of Curb, which is set to return on HBO next year. If you're enjoying this show, do us a favor and please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps people find the show. And I would also love if you could give us a follow on Instagram at LastLaughPod. There you'll see a selfie that Jeff, who happens to be a fantastic photographer, took of the two of us after our taping. So now let's go to my conversation with Jeff Garland. I, uh, I was a big fan of your podcast, by the way. Thank you. By I, the I way. May, I may uh... I may uh, do more. Yeah, I was wondering what what happened. Why did you uh, Why did you stop doing it? I was too busy. Yeah, just too much going it, on. The real difficult things were everything outside of the actual broadcasting. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> booking people. Yeah, I didn't have someone doing it for me, so I had mm-hmm. to call up like Will Ferrell. Hey, man. You know? <laughs> yeah, constantly and asking it, favors. Yeah, and it was a pain in the ass. And then on the other end, I I, I told the podcast company got to give me enough time to do the commercials Mm -hmm. and then I'd be on set at Curb or Goldberg's getting ready to do a scene and my assistant would go oh I just got you got to get these in within the hour yeah and I'm like "Uh." (laughs) it doesn't work like that no so I stopped yeah I'll start again yeah I got talked into it the other day you got talked into what Doing a podcast. Doing it again? Yeah. A, d- a, new, I, a different podcast? Or well, you know, my thing is like, no, I, I don't know exactly what. It'll be me just in conversation. Mm-hmm. I like conversation. Not necessarily in front of a crowd? Because the other one was there always... Might be, uh, well, there might be some of them in front of a crowd, mm-hmm. but um, I like conversation, you know. But I was like, you know, Mark Maron's already out there. Uh, Joe Rogan, why Why me? <laughs> what, what, what is necessary for me? And I got talked into it yeah. by a few people who were fans. Yeah. I, it wasn't even like my friends talked me <laughs> into it. 
fans. How did they convince you? Uh, what did they tell you that you, you bring to the table? Well, that was their point. Their point is, is I bring to the table mm -hmm. me. Yeah. And that's what makes it different. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, when I, I, I went on Joe Rogan's, I've been on mm -hmm. both of those shows. Yeah, yeah. And I very much enjoyed myself. And I always enjoyed myself on Mark Maron's. Mark and I, I like playing the good cop to Mark's bad cop. <laughs> he really is a curmudgeon and uh, he looks at the, he's just, he's a, I don't even know what to say, but here's what, I love being a bright light. Mm -hmm, the optimist in the room. Yes, yes, with him. Um, and he does not like that. <laughs> so I'm, uh, yeah, so I'm just going to do what I do. I'm doing, I'm doing it surely for joy. Yeah. 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 And you can do them as as often as, as you want or not. No, too. I'll do. I mean, I'll do. I know. Well, see, that's what I did with. By the way, it was yeah. like one a month. Yeah, and that was that not work. enough. No, because I started out, I think number one or number two of all podcasts. Yeah, and then it slowly went mm -hmm. down. You got to keep it up to keep those numbers up. Right? Yeah, yeah, I mean, it it stayed in the top five in comedy. Yeah, but uh, the others it dropped down to mm -hmm. like twenty. Yeah. Which is great. Not good enough. Not, no. <laughs> but no, but truly, yeah, not yeah, good enough not for good me. Enough. Yeah. 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 You know, that's, um, and when I say not, you know, it's like if I'm going to do a podcast, I want it to be one of the top podcasts yeah. or why do it for me? Because mm -hmm. I'm so busy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I want to talk about your, your new Netflix special, Our Man in Chicago. And when this podcast drops, the special will be up that same day. Yes. So everyone can watch oh, it. Oh, that's, so that's delightful. Exciting. Yeah. Um, and I got to watch it early. And you ab saw it? I absolutely loved the special, I want to tell oh, you. Oh, um, gosh. I, that makes, that yeah. thrills me um, because I am so proud of it. It's so good. Thank you. Um, it, it was just, it was a joy to watch. Thank and, you. That's um, what I want it to be. Yeah. Anyone who watches it, that it's sh mm. uh, a sheer joy. And it's your first uh, special in 10 years, right? Yeah. In about I 10 actually years. did the very first Netflix special. Yeah. People don't know. That was streamed. Mm -hmm. uh, Zach Galifianakis, Live from the Purple Onion, was the first one on DVD mm -hmm. that Netflix oh, yeah. printed. He takes credit for this, too, I think. Yeah. He, well, <laughs> no. He is the first one on DVD. Yeah. I'm the first one that was streamed. And it was 10 years ago, right? About? I, I, uh, two no longer than longer 10 years. than 10 years yeah, ago yeah. yeah um well that's crazy but now yeah. so now you're back with your your next one uh did you how did you kind of uh you know think about how you wanted to come back and do do the next special well, after I such was, a long break i was offered a special you know like hey it's it's here for you if you want it a long time ago mm -hmm. and i was like nah nah again just like with myself and podcasts why why do <laughs> yeah. a special if there's so many specials why yeah you know and then talked into it i.e me mm -hmm. i'm the difference mm -hmm. if i'm uniquely me and then i i tend with my stand-up to do like when I, if if you come see me generally i'm doing an hour of, imp of i'm improvising yeah. for an hour i come up every time to a different song Generally, it's what I'm listening to on the way mm -hmm. to the gig. And then it reminds me to talk about something, whether thematic with the song or whatever, a memory the song brings about. And then that just sort of leads me on my way. However, if Netflix is offering you money mm -hmm. to do a 
uh, podcast. I mean, I, I mean, a, a, um, a special. They actually yeah. did offer me a podcast oh, yeah? too. <laughs> yeah, I, I chose not to do that. Um, uh, or they offered me a show on their XM radio. Yeah, yeah, they've been doing be some podcast. of that stuff. Yeah, I don't. I didn't want to do that mm-hmm. at the time. Anyhow, um, I worked three years on that special. Preparing a beginning, middle, and an end. Preparing themes. Preparing, preparing. It's so different so I, from what you normally do, right? I mean, well, yeah. yes, but no. Yeah. Meaning, I taped two shows. It's called Our Man in Chicago. Mm-hmm. I taped two shows in Chicago. The first one, I shouldn't even say tape anymore, because I know you don't say film because I didn't shoot it on thirty-five, even though I wanted to. Yeah. Um, it's on a chip. Yeah, I mean it's you, on the uh, tip. recorded. You recorded. Yeah, yeah. There you go. That's but the I right word. I think everyone still says tape. I know, but yeah. we need to change that <laughs> because it's not tape anymore. There's no tape. Yeah, just like you know, there can be film. Mm. There is no tape. Yeah, no one's shooting a a, 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 a in a, a special in high eight. Yeah. Uh, anyhow, <laughs> um, so uh, I shot the first show mm-hmm. and I came off and I said to uh, 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 Matt who uh, was helping me Matt Edgar who's uh, was helping me prepare the show mm-hmm. and I said oh, I got it I got it man I was so happy <laughs> then I did the second show and I improvised my ass off with the material okay, it was like yeah. an hour and a half show mm-hmm. um and i was beyond pleased it was like because i was literally thinking to myself while i'm on stage because comedians can do this mm-hmm, even yeah. myself when i'm improvising i can think of something mm-hmm. else while i'm talking <laughs> yeah. and making up stuff um it's the only discernible skill i have <laughs> and um i thought to myself oh my god this is being captured. This is not just at some club yeah. where no one knows the, the what I've just done. Mm-hmm. This is being captured. So there still is the beginning and the middle and the end and the material, but I am improvising all through this. Is it special. the second time you do it that we see the whole yeah, thing? Yes, yes. Yeah. It's not I a mixture. Say, or, there's a, yeah. I would say it's 5% the first show mm-hmm. and 95 the second yeah, It would be hard to really mix it because you are, you're kind of in the audience. We, you, yeah, we, we kind of get to know some characters in the audience yes, during so, this yes, special. Yes, yes, yes. So it, it would be, yes, but... There were just a few moments mm-hmm. where I yeah. needed to. The close-ups and stuff. And yeah. yeah, different things. Um, yeah. It was more technical mm-hmm. than content-wise. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, it's really, the special is these kind of long stories uh, from your life. Um, we there's uh, You open with a joke uh, about Larry David, um, kind, oh, yeah, of, kind of to that, get that out of the well, way, well, maybe. Or... <laughs> well, well, it's always, it wasn't a big thing thought but then when i said it one night on stage i'm like oh that would be a good thing to open with yeah and you know i can share that now it's not a bad thing for me it's just the basic premise that i one would think i'm very successful Mm -hmm. yet every day when i walk down the street someone uh asks me about another person about (laughs) larry david what's larry really like yeah like you know which is um i mean every day where's larry what's he like 
I don't get sick of it because yeah. I love Larry, mm. and I'm curious as to what he's doing. Yeah, it is know? funny to have that relationship. Like I've heard uh, David Spade talks about how every day someone comes up to him and says, ask him about Chris Farley and what 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 Chris Farley was like. You know, that oh, you, okay. these people who are associated with somebody. Yes, they're associated with who, somebody. Where yeah. it's like they someone just wants to talk to them about this other yeah. this other person or their relationship with that person. Yeah, I. I wonder what it's like for for David Spade from the standpoint that Chris is dead. Right. So it's a little you know? sadder uh, it is conversation. Sad. Yeah, 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 yeah. But for you, it's I mean, it's obviously not like that, but people do. People no, are curious about Larry. I have great joy that people love Larry David because mm-hmm. I love Larry David. Yeah. He's one of my best friends and he's one of my, um, you know, he's a mentor. He's... Uh, He's everything to me. I just love that mm-hmm. dude. So if people dig him, I'm very happy. Mm-hmm. The other thing I love about the special is that you kind of keep these little, I mean, it's part of the improv, I guess, but it's kind of keeping the little mistakes or little things oh, that go wrong. Well, no, and... that's, I don't want to create, I want a, the feeling to be when you're done watching it, you've got a sense of me. Mm-hmm. And and part of me is, oh, I flubbed that line. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at this. And also I fought for in the special that sometimes on certain angles, which is part of the storytelling, you see the camera. Yeah. Netflix does not like when you see cameras. They don't like that? No, I had to fight for that. Not hard. They were very, mm-hmm. I don't want to even make out like they were the big corporate monster. Yeah. They were very accommodating mm-hmm. and, 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 and lovely to work with. But I had to really push for things. Why was it important for you to keep the shots of the cameras in? Well, it's not that I want shots of cameras, mm-hmm. but in that moment when I moved naturally to one position, mm-hmm. they would have liked for a different camera angle. Yeah. I, I just, I wanted to keep the show, which mm-hmm. is who I am as naturalistic as, as possible. That's how I am as an actor. Mm-hmm. And I know it sounds weird to say, or, or like maybe pretentious to say I'm a naturalistic actor, which also means I'm only as good as the material I'm given. Mm-hmm. So if I'm in a movie and the script isn't very good, I'm not going to be very good. I'm very, <laughs> yeah. but in terms of being real, man, you give me something good, I will deliver every time. Mm-hmm. But on the other hand, you, a lot of what you do in stand-up and on Curb is is improv. Improv. But so there that's is no also, that, But there is, uh, to a degree, I mean, the script for for. Uh, uh, curb, Larry writes an outline yeah. that I, you know, mm-hmm. so I know what goes on in the scene mm-hmm. and what has to, what I say every time is different. And then when I'm on stage, the audience writes the show. What I mean by that is the audience's joy, the audience's presence, the audience being even interesting makes my show because mm-hmm. then I'm filled with joy. Yeah. So if they're not filled with joy, then they've written a bad script for me. <laughs> yeah. And it does seem like you, the way you do stand up, you have to be so present and so aware of what's going on. I have to you. be. I have to be. Every sound, every nuance, you know, mm-hmm. and I cut 35 minutes mm-hmm. out of it. Was that hard? <laughs> yes and no. It, I knew that I wanted the special to be less than an hour. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't making a movie. If I'm making a movie, then yes, an hour and a half mm-hmm. in a theater, yeah. um, the way it would be, it would be something more, you mm-hmm. know. But a stand-up special, less than an hour, you punch people in the face mm-hmm. and they go home and you go home. Yeah, a lot of them have, have crept up to an hour 15, an hour right. 20. And yeah. by the way, a mistake 
every time. Yeah. Every time. By the way, not a mistake that within that hour and 15 isn't a great less than an hour special. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I saw one recently. I don't want to say which. Yeah. But I loved it. And it was hurt by being an hour and 15 minutes. Yeah. Like really hurt by Mm -hmm. it. You could feel the the how slow it was mm-hmm. i think tv and and stand up are made for less than an hour mm-hmm. a, the, a theatrical a theatrical experience or uh, a, a a filmic experience mm-hmm. you can do longer mm-hmm. um so one thing that i wanted to ask you about that you talk about in the special is uh your experience on the goldbergs yeah. um which you've been filming now and you talk right. about how you which i didn't know before i heard you say in the special that you almost got fired from the goldbergs oh no well i didn't get almost get fired mm-hmm. i dared them to fire me and i went <laughs> up in front of um that's in the special yeah here's how much i'm an You're, improviser yeah. you don't I, remember <laughs> no i finished editing it about um, a month ago, six mm-hmm. weeks ago, and I couldn't tell you what's in it. Like <laughs> you're reminding me now. I'm like, yeah. oh, that made the yeah. special. Yeah. Like I really am uh-huh. so in the moment yeah. that I don't even remember. You know mm-hmm. what is mm-hmm. it? So yeah, I um, you know, as a comedian, look, I'm I'm um, a pretty normal guy in terms of. I can have a normal conversation with anybody. Mm-hmm. But like when I stand up from a couch, I tend to say, ah, oh, my vagina, just because <laughs> it's fun and it's silly. And um, uh, I might reference, I might put two words together that don't belong together, like grandma and cock. Mm-hmm. But there's no, when I'm saying these types of things, there is no context. Mm-hmm. They're non sequiturs. Yeah. And they're silly and to me joyful. And they keep my energy up, especially when I'm doing the Goldbergs, when I have to do the same scene over and over that's not Patty Chayefsky. Mm-hmm. You know, it's mm-hmm. not classically written. It's excellent. I love the writers. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. It's a certain style. Well, it's a certain style. And also, to me, the energy leaves the thing after you've done like, yeah, you know, you all the coverage it. they do mm-hmm. on these shows is ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, I think mm-hmm. uh, and I don't agree with it, but it's my job. Mm-hmm. So I do it. So to keep myself, um, um, uh, you know, present, mm-hmm. I say silly things. Someone complained. Yeah. OK. Someone complained. They were uncomfortable with it. And first off, it's a comedy. I'm a comedian. You're mm-hmm. on the stage. I'm not, I don't say anything disrespectful to any man or woman yeah. directly yeah. in a sincere way. It wasn't directed at anyone. No, yeah. God, yeah. no. Yeah. So I found myself in the uh, Sony, um, uh, what's what's a, a, a human resources. HR, HR yeah. yeah. And they were like, Really serious. And at a certain point, and Doug Robinson was the producer of the Goldbergs Mm -hmm. and a a great gentleman is like said to them, why are you wasting this man's time? Mm -hmm. There's so many more important things, including people who are abusing power. You have to think that that they 
brought you in and want, and made it a big deal because of this time that oh, we're m- in. M- and most it, certainly. Yeah. They, everything know, is I, kind of on everything edge. Everything is, yeah. If you get a phone call, you got to take it seriously. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, and then one of the executives said, well, what if TMZ finds out about this? <laughs> and I said, please let TMZ yeah. find out. That'll be the first time I actually will do an interview with TMZ. <laughs> and I will tell them that it's all true. Yeah. You know, because we have to stop the silliness. Mm -hmm. People have to, you know, look, I respect another person's sensitivity Mm -hmm. and I'm empathetic. Mm -hmm. And if this person came up to me, we would have a discussion on it. And I would be thoughtful as to what they're thinking and I would Mm -hmm. respect them. But the point being is I know stories that are so... Horrible. And by the way, you know stories. I'm talking yeah. about like Les Moonves stories mm-hmm. that I read in the New York Times about him sexually attacking my, by the way, I didn't know this till I read it, my uh, diabetes doctor. You know, oh, yeah. so it, it infuriated me. I'm like, this man needs to be in prison. Mm-hmm. If you're yelling at people in a way that has... Look, I don't. I never yell it. I mean, I can yell, I mm. guess, but I don't yell for stupid mm. reasons. Yeah. You know what I mean? I would. I would yell like, "Why? Why would you do that?" Yeah. You know, or something. Mm-hmm. But if you're yelling at someone and making it personal or crossing mm-hmm. the line with abuse, all the way up to something like Les Moonves, yes, something needs to be done. Yeah. But I'm also a believer in. A lot of bosses are assholes, Mm -hmm. and they yell. Mm -hmm. And if you can't take it, Mm -hmm. we got to get to a point. We were at a point where we took it. And by the way, not taking something really crossing the line. But So I have very strong feelings about political correctness. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, people get – See, you call someone by the wrong name mm-hmm. thing, and they're mad. It's like, no, no, no. Tell me what you want to be called. Yeah. I will call you that every time mm-hmm. with respect, without mocking. But as an innocent, I don't know yeah, anything to, more learn, yeah. than Mr. and Mrs. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I don't think a marriage is just between a man and a woman. Mm-hmm. You mean, I'm not that ignorant. But you got to tell me what you want, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. will respect it. Yeah, And that's the same thing with... Um, you know all of this. You know, I got. I, I know I'm going on a whole thing no, here no. now. Uh, Todd Phillips yeah. came out recently and said he can't make comedies anymore. Yeah. The only reason he couldn't make comedies is because he doesn't know what the hell he's doing. <laughs> because I haven't changed my stand-up yeah. comedy. The things that make me laugh still make me laugh. Mm-hmm. I watch old movies; they make me laugh. Yeah. Funny is still funny. This time has not made comedy mm-hmm. not funny yeah it hasn't there's nothing that's changed mm-hmm. nothing and most people who go to the movies don't have a political correctness agenda mm-hmm. do you know what i mean and when one person speaks out um in a in the daily beast mm-hmm. for example um yeah, great, good for you. That's your opinion. <laughs> you know what I mean? When yeah. when I walk down the street or on my Instagram account, mm. I'm getting fed a lot of opinions that make me go, oh, I didn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. Then we're talking something yeah. because it's a whole group of people. But 
uh, small groups of people. Some people just have an agenda to spoil. By the way, there's always been people wanting to spoil fun. Mm-hmm. Always. Yeah. Who take them. A lot of these people who, I'm not talking about people in transition. Mm-hmm. I'm talking about these people, the Me Too, all these different things, are devoid of a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. So I'm not pla- I pray and hope that they would dig what I talk about. Yeah. Because I'm talking about being a kind human being with foibles, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but a lot of them don't have senses of humor. Yeah, and they you know. just have to kind of you 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 accept that not everyone's gonna think, think you're funny. Yeah, not everyone's gonna think I'm funny. Not everyone's gonna dig what I do. I hope and pray that what I say isn't ignorant. Now, mm-hmm. mind you, I see stand-up comedians who go on stage and they say things that are completely ignorant. Well, mm-hmm. guess what? I don't dig them. Yeah, I don't laugh from them. But there are so many wonderful comedians who. Maybe have an opinion you di- you don't jibe with. They're still funny. Sorry. Yeah, I mean that seems to be the big difference. Is you can you as long as you're as long as you're funny, and I think most comedians and people who really do have a sense of humor and like comedy can recognize when something is funny, right. even if they don't agree with right. it. Right, 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 right. Um, so the other uh, you, you mentioned, you know, TMZ, and you did you did have your own little TMZ moment yeah. that gets in the special too, and becomes a really big chunk of the special, which is, your, special. which is your which is your your arrest, and that's yeah. a fascinating story, and and the way you tell it, I think you tell it more fully in this special than obviously anyone has heard it right yes. before. Yes, and I point out how TMZ, uh, how that what their attitude was about it, but really we can. I, what what the big thing I got from that that I talk about the mm-hmm. special was learning about ego, mm-hmm. but really what I did wasn't so shocking or horrible. yeah yeah I was a victim of circumstance. The circumstance being I had a big ego. Mm-hmm. I'm always in a moment. Yeah, so that's what it was. There, the idea that you would need to put someone like me in jail, mm-hmm. even for the twelve hours I was in jail, mm-hmm. is insane. And also only because of the value of the car that I mm-hmm. had. The, I, and they told me flat out, if this was a Toyota Corolla, you wouldn't be going <laughs> to jail. It's like, well, I didn't do it based on the yeah. – it's just so stupid. Yeah. But that's okay. Mm-hmm. It's all right. Yeah. It, I learned uh, a lesson in life that I'm very mm-hmm. happy with. I'm always interested when there's when comedians tell stories about things that happen to them that uh, – and just so anyone who doesn't know or hasn't watched the special yet, this is an argument that you had with someone in a parking lot, yes. and then you ended up kind of uh, knocking the window, and it shattered. It shattered. That, yeah, and they the and they thought you I was you got arrested way. for what vandalism, uh, yeah, felony, van- vandalism. Yeah, but it was the charges were dropped mm-hmm. immediately. But nonetheless, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm I'm always is- curious. Is it funny? Are you realizing in the moment that this is going to be a funny story on when stage? When I was in jail, yes. Yeah. I was like, well, I got a story out of this. <laughs> and then when I, uh, you know, I had to go. So uh, follow up uh, to this, even though we mm-hmm. haven't given a lot of it. But the woman that I had the altercation with, she was very mad that there were no criminal charges. Mm-hmm. She had an agenda, but what she wanted was money. Because she knew, is it because she knew you were a celebrity? She found out. Yeah. And so, as soon as someone came, finds out you're a celebrity, yeah, you're in trouble. Uh, yeah. So, I went to the thing mm-hmm. and I made a deal with her, which I was happy with. Mm-hmm. Um, it was what I thought, you know, she wanted an insane amount of mm-hmm. money from me. But when I gave her the money, 
she had to sign a paper that I could do it in my stand-up. Really? Oh, yeah. Because <laughs> I was like, well, if I can't do this in my stand-up, I'm not paying mm-hmm. her a penny. That you can do it and she's not going to you know, sue you again. Right. She cannot yeah. sue me. I have one thing. I cannot say where she's from. Okay. That is my, on mm-hmm. my end. Mm-hmm. But on her end, uh, she, I, I can do it as much as I want. It's now in my special, which creates – it created – it to me – that was the value of the whole thing. Mm-hmm. And then the personal lesson that I talk about mm-hmm. that I learned from that she has no right one way or another to stop me made it all worthwhile. Like I would have – to learn what I learned about ego, I would go through it again. Mm-hmm. And, it was and, such a valuable lesson. And what did you – what do you feel like is the big thing that you learned? Well, that uh, ego is unnecessary. Mm-hmm. I mean I, I was ignorant enough to think that – you could go through life without ego. No, it's a matter of controlling ego, recognizing ego. Mm-hmm. And I'm all about being humble and being confident, mm-hmm. which may sound like they're, they don't go together, yeah. but they really do yeah. go together. You're not bragging if you have a great confidence in what you do. Mm-hmm. Not There's no ego in that. There's just pure through experience, through whatever confidence. Mm-hmm. And by the way, one of the only things in life I have confidence about is myself doing stand-up mm-hmm. um, or myself in a situation in a film or a television show or on stage where the material is good and I've put in my work. I know I'm going to be good. I know I'm going to be good. Mm-hmm. Whether someone digs me or not, that's a whole other thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do acknowledge that the whole uh, incident um – very much felt like a, a curb episode. Well, and, yeah, the, uh, yeah, yeah, it felt, and... <laughs> it felt like it. People always ask me, "Does any do any curb things happen to you?" By the way, in the entire, ex- uh, uh, you know, people come up to me with their curb ideas, mm-hmm. and in ent- the entire existence of curb your enthusiasm, nobody who's ever come up to me, their idea has ever been used, and I tell them, "Don't tell me," because <laughs> we've never used it, and they think they're going to be the one. They're never the one, mm-hmm. and here's my proof. I have never given Larry David an idea in 10 years yeah. of doing of working on Curb Your Enthusiasm. I'm an executive producer. <laughs> I'm a collaborator. Mm-hmm. I'm allowed to and welcome to give my thoughts on premises for mm-hmm. the show. I never have. I've never given one. Because... Never thought about it. It's not, it's not my show. Mm-hmm. My job is to help make Larry David's vision Clearer, better, like do everything. And, and, and everything is about Larry's vision. Mm-hmm. And my job is to help him with that vision. That's really it. So you have to be humble. Mm-hmm. It's not about me. It's about Larry. Mm-hmm. If you love the show, Larry David. Mm-hmm. If you hate the show, Larry David. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really it. And so my job is to help Larry David. That is it. Mm-hmm. I'm proud when people dig the show, and I'm proud of my work on the show, but it's all about Larry David, and I'm good with that. Coming up, Jeff reveals the premiere date and shares some details about season 10 of Curb Your Enthusiasm. This episode of The Last Laugh is brought to you by Euphoric. The entire CBD industry is talking about Euphoric, this innovative patented hemp oil-infused chewing gum. What makes Euphoric so special? Euphoric hemp oil-infused chewing gum is not your average gum. In fact, it's an innovative patented delivery system. What makes this gum so innovative? 
Euphoric combines powerful chewing benefits with the heavily researched benefits of full-spectrum hemp oil, which is rich in naturally occurring phytocannabinoids, including CBD. The full-spectrum hemp oil in Euphoric is even better than CBD and that it offers many naturally occurring phytocannabinoids, including CBD, that work together synergistically. This is called the entourage effect, essentially meaning that a team of phytocannabinoids work better together than any one isolated. As a chewing gum, Euphoric brings more innovation and with its patented delivery system allows all the action to happen in the mouth. The long-lasting mint flavor and the consistency make it possible to chew it longer, which increases absorption in the mouth. In fact, Euphoric hemp oil-infused chewing gum has the best absorption rate on the market, 84%. That is 50% greater than other products that must be digested. Euphoric gum, however, keeps the hemp oil in the mouth longer where it is absorbed without ever passing through the digestive system. Plus, the simple act of chewing has scientifically been shown to help improve memory, cognitive function, and oral health, and even reduce anxiety. That's why Euphoric is the best gum you'll ever chew. Euphoric is legal in all 50 states. It's gluten-free, sugar-free, non-GMO, and even supports dental health because it contains xylitol. Want to see what all the Euphoric fuss is about? Right now, our listeners get free shipping with their order when you visit lovethisgum.com. This is a special podcast exclusive, and when you support our sponsors, you support this show. Just go to lovethisgum.com to get free shipping plus an additional bonus discount on select offers. That's lovethisgum.com. So let's talk about kind of how that that show came to be because it has been such a constant presence in your life for what now? Like it's been 18 years or? 99, so 20 yeah, years. 20 years. This is the 20th year of um, Curb being in the, in the world. So it started with a, a special on yes. HBO. Yes. And how did you get involved in, in that? I approached Larry with the idea. Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, yeah, I approached a genius <laughs> with an idea and that genius ran with it. And the basic That's idea Kirby. was that it was instead of him doing a stand-up special, it would be kind of like a, a faux documentary yeah, see, about I, him doing a stand-up I, special? Well, I had um, uh, developed uh, John Stewart's Unleavened and Dennis Leary's Lock and Load and went on the road with them and um, put it together. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I always thought it'd be fascinating to do a special where it's the making of the special, mm-hmm. what I went through, and... Ultimately, they didn't do the special. Well, I sat down with lunch with Larry one day. I told him this idea. He loved it. Mm -hmm. Thought about it, said, let's go pitch it. We pitched it uh, to Chris Albrecht at HBO with Ari Emanuel, the agent. The three of us went in there. And Chris Albrecht's response was, how can I not do this? (laughs) Which is just amazing. That's what you want to hear. Then while we were filming the hour special, Larry... Forget while we were filming, the first day of filming, mm-hmm. Larry and I, first off, as we put it together and then started filming, it felt like we'd been comedy partners for forever. Mm-hmm. There was a natural thing. So he said to me at HBO the first day, oh, would it be great to do a series like this? And I, of course, said yes. Mm-hmm. But in my head, I thought, right, I'm going to be... <laughs> On a show with Larry David on HBO, little did I know my whole life would be changed. Yeah, I yeah. mean, yeah, you you had no idea that it would that it would literally still be running to the point where you guys are. are there's a season I, coming next year, I think. Yeah, January nineteenth, uh, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, it's an iconic show. 
I, I've got, I've done two things. Well, I jumped on board an iconic thing. I helped develop an iconic thing, and I was cast in an iconic thing. And the iconic things that I'm part of, the thing I jumped on board was Toy Story. Mm-hmm. I've been a character in Toy Story yeah. 3 and 4, and I know there's a short film coming out on the new Disney thing starring my character, mm-hmm. which is Buttercup the Unicorn. Mm-hmm. And so I'm honored that I was cast in Wally. Mm-hmm. The Pixar movie, yeah. which to me is my greatest. It's one of uh, my one of my favorite movies of all time. Well, uh, by the way, mine too. Guess when I saw it after working on it three years. <laughs> I never saw a second of it. Yeah. Uh, prior to being at the premiere, I have goosebumps now thinking yeah. about that. It overwhelmed me. I actually was moved to tears that I was in something so beautiful. Yeah. Wait a minute. Computer, what was that message sent out to the Axiom? Message received in the year 2110. That's, uh, that's nearly 700 years ago. I don't think they've changed. We've got to go back. Sir, orders are, do not return to Earth. But life is sustainable now. Look at this plant, green and growing. It's living proof he was wrong. Irrelevant, Captain. What? It's completely relevant. Out there is our home. Home, Auto. And it's in trouble. I can't just sit here and, and do nothing. That's all I've ever done. That's all anyone in this blasted ship has ever done. Nothing! On the Axiom, you will survive. I don't want to survive! I want to live! Must follow my directive. Ah! And then the other thing is uh, curb your enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I've done a lot of other things I'm proud of. But those are the three mm-hmm. that I'm like, wow, those are like they'll live forever. Yeah. You know? So uh, there was some it, there was some uh, some traumatic stuff towards the beginning of Kirby Enthusiasm, though. You had a, a stroke. Oh, I had a uh, stroke between the hour special and the first season. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, by the way, when I had the stroke, I thought. Oh well, there there it goes. It's all gone. Yeah, I mean, it's over for me. It could have been. Yeah, well, I I was afraid of dying, but in that time, but past that, I thought, I literally, of course, I I, I was in a hospital. I slurred all my words, but I still thought, all right, I'll be a writer. Mm-hmm. That was like, mm-hmm. I'm just going to be a writer. Yeah, I can't behind the scenes per- yeah. perform anymore, and using season one of Curb Your Enthusiasm as a almost physical therapy, mm-hmm. I worked through my stroke. Was there any moment where you weren't going to be in it, or, or did Larry just want you in it no matter what, or how did that Well, Larry was work? hopeful. Mm-hmm. He didn't know how serious it, it could have been mm-hmm. or was. Um, and then, you know, at first I had to walk. Well, I was supposed to be a cane, but mm-hmm. I walked with a um, a golf club because I thought it was funnier. Mm-hmm. My, but then, you know, uh, by the time we started shooting, I um, was able to move, albeit slowly, and then through the first season, I recovered. Mm. So you. Re- Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry, and some well less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs. United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. 
Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Really, the, the show, as we said, you know, is really um, all improvised with these scenarios that, that are written um, yes. for the characters. And I know you had a lot of experience um, at Second City. Yes. Did that, how much of that experience do you think played into your sort of ability to do this show? Well, it that experience played into the show existing. Yeah. You know, Larry, I think, took an improv class at the improv years mm-hmm. ago. But my whole background was improvising from an outline. Mm-hmm. The only thing that's different about me as a stand-up now is I don't have an outline. <laughs> yeah. I go up with nothing. Mm-hmm. But for years, I would have an outline. Mm-hmm. And it's not a running order, an outline. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm going to do this, but how I fill in all this, mm-hmm. we'll see. Yeah. Um, so that's Curb. Mm-hmm. Curb, we, we improvise from an outline. So, um, yeah, it exists because of Second City and because of my improv background. And so what was your experience like at Second City? I mean, you how did you kind of find your way there and, and what, well, did you, what, I, what was I, it like? Well, I am from Chicago, but my family moved to South Florida when I was uh, 12. Mm-hmm. And I moved back to Chicago at 22 to do Second City. Um, for me, in terms of as a as a comedic actor, everything in my life was about Monty Python and SCTV. Mm-hmm. And so SCTV, knowing that it came from Second City, SCTV stands for Second City TV, I went to Chicago to do it and to pr- pursue a stand-up, stand-up in, mm-hmm. in, uh, in Chicago. Well, what happened to me as a stand-up was, I mean, as a performer in Chicago over time, I had great respect from my stand-up peers, but the audience didn't quite get me. Mm-hmm. I'd go on stage at Second City, the audience loved me, but I didn't have respect from my peers. Why not? They just, uh, By the way, looking back, I, and I have looked back, yes, some of it jealousy, but also because I didn't take myself seriously. Mm-hmm. And them, even though they're improvisers, a lot of them are actors. Yeah. Actors tend to take themselves very serious. Mm-hmm. So because I didn't take myself seriously, they didn't respect me. Mm-hmm. Who were some of the people who you were there with at the say, time? Or, or, I'll say the people that went on to success from the time that I was mm-hmm. there, who I all have, I have an affinity for mm-hmm. all of them. Amy Sedaris, Paul Danello, uh, Steve Colbert, uh, Steve Carell, uh, Mike Myers, uh, Tim Meadows, um, Bonnie Hunt. Um, I know I'm missing some, but yeah, those people were there and loved all of mm-hmm. them. And saw greatness in all of them. And you, uh, especially I... the one that I saw the most greatness in, uh-huh. that when I, because I was in Second City, I went to New York for a while, and then I came back. I did stand up in New mm-hmm. York for a while, I came back to Chicago. And when I came back, 
I discovered Steve. I, I didn't discover Steve Carell, but I discovered Steve Carell, and I watched him every night. And my response was, "Why isn't everybody and their next door neighbor talking about this guy? Mm-hmm. Because his skill level and his his style is." so much better than everyone else's. Mm-hmm. I would watch him in awe and laugh. Oh, Dan Castellaneta, uh, Richard Kind, they were also, yeah. they were people that were there before me, but I watched every night. I was mm-hmm. still there. I used to work in the box office. Steve Colbert and I, and Jackie Hoffman, who's done a lot of Broadway now, yeah, yeah. we used to all work in the box office mm-hmm. before we were hired as actors. What was, uh, what was Colbert like to work with in the box office? Like? I never knew that he was a comedic genius. <laughs> he kind of he kept it uh, under the vest. Yeah, he just was a regular guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was the goofy one. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of uh, Curb, who, are, who have been some of the you know, people that you've enjoyed um, doing scenes with the most over the years? Unequivocally, my favorite person to uh, work with of all time is Ted Danson. Mm-hmm. I'm in awe of Ted Danson as a man and as a performer. Um, what is it about him that, that, that gets you? Uh, effortlessness. Mm. To me, he's the closest thing that we have. To Cary Grant. Mm-hmm. And the difference is that Ted has spent most of his time in television. Mm-hmm. But he has this, he's this such a handsome, cool guy who's really in real life a handsome, cool guy. Very vulnerable, mm-hmm. wonderful. Um, but he's just, I don't know. I don't... Um, I don't like analyzing it all yeah, too much, yeah. except for the joy it brings me. Mm-hmm. And then the other person who's going to be on Curb this season is that I'm in awe of his talent, and I loved working with him, is Vince Vaughn. Oh, yeah. Vince Vaughn is so amazing. He plays himself on the show? No. No? Nope. Don't want to say who he plays. Mm-hmm. I don't want to give anything away. But he has a run in the show. That's great. And to work with him, so joyful. I hope we do He's it more. He's a good, We're good talking- improviser. Great improviser. Have you already Great shot actor. a lot of this already? Or we shot it, the whole the season. Whole thing. Oh, wow. It's all done. Yeah. Yep. It's, um, as a matter of fact, I've seen every episode. It's all edited. Wow. It's all done, just waiting to come out. Mm-hmm. Probably being color corrected yeah. as we speak. How do, you think it, how do you think it ranks in terms of it's the other my, seasons? Well, um, it's my favorite season, both being in and I. The, put it this way, I know there's other seasons that people will like as much, if not more. Mm-hmm. My allergies today are oh, nuts. Sorry. I keep rubbing my nose and my eyes. Um, uh, I know that, but for me, the premise of the season mm-hmm. is my favorite one we've okay. ever done. That's a good tease. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it is. It's, it's really, and it was joyful to film. I love working with Jeff Schaefer, who is the other producer um, we also have a couple of other, uh, Carol Liefer and John Heyman, besides Larry. Mm-hmm. But uh, um, in terms of the executive producers, it's myself, Jeff Schaefer, and Larry. And Jeff Schaefer directs half the episodes, and we had women direct the other half. Mm-hmm. For the We've had women direct before, but we had five episodes women, which was great because yeah. they're all great. Yeah, a lot of companies now are doing a, a 50-50 women uh, directors uh, policy. Well, too. by yeah. the way, again, with the political correctness. If the directors are great, have it be all women. Yeah. But if it's not, 
No. <laughs> and sometimes I have been involved in my career mm-hmm. with directors that are hired because of their skin color mm-hmm. or because they're women and they're no good. And that is upsetting because there's plenty of great people yeah. of all skin colors, great people, plenty of great women, okay? Mm-hmm. So there's no excuse not to hire that. But when we start hiring, I remember I picked up an article last year in, um, in uh, I think it was Variety. And I picked up an article, mm-hmm. you know, on my phone. Mm-hmm. And it was about the show, The Neighbors, The Neighbor with Cedric mm-hmm. the Entertainer. Yeah. And I thought, let me read about this show. And you know what the show was about? The inclusivity of the writer's room. At no point did they talk about how funny the people were. Let me tell you about inclusivity in me. If if my entire writer's room is uh, Chinese lesbians and they're the funniest people I met with, all Chinese lesbians, Mm -hmm. let's go. I don't care. Now, some people may go, I'm up being idealistic. Mm -hmm. I'm just being... Uh, the way I am, which is welcoming to everyone, but the inclusivity is you got to be funny. Yeah, that's that's funny one. is the inclusivity, and and to me, I don't care. If, I mean, I would fight to get people of color and women, mm-hmm. and because there are funny people mm-hmm. of color and 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 women, so you know. Uh, there's no excuse not to have people mm. like that, but to have people like that just because, inexcusable. Yeah, inexcusable. Um, before we move off of Curb, the yes. other the other thing that I wanted to ask you about um, is working with Bob, Bob Einstein, which is he was one of my um, best friends. I m- loved him madly. He made me laugh while working with him. He brought me joy while working with him. He brought me joy. In between setups, mm-hmm. he was a great friend. I spent a lot of personal time with him and his wife, Berta. I, that was such a hit to all of us at Kirby yeah. Enthusiasm because he was our friend. And he's not in any of the episodes. And what happened was he had pneumonia and he was getting over it, and we were happy that he was coming back. And then he got diagnosed with cancer, mm-hmm. and he was dead shortly thereafter. Yeah. And it really, really, we rose above it, mm-hmm. but boy, that hurt. That hurt. LD, guess who's getting a divorce? What? Martin Norton Funkhauser. Really? And it's because of you. That man and I were talking about the London trip. Yeah. Well, I started to realize, wait a minute, if I did go to Europe without her, I'd come back and it would be 20 more years of boredom. So I said to Nan, look, let's get a divorce. She said, okay. I'm going to be single. You and me. Wow. Is that great? I mean, do congratulations, I nice, congratulations. Man. You know what you do? You get fucking divorced. You should ride around and bump the horn and shit like motherfuckers getting married. You know what I mean? What, what a great, great idea. idea. Goddamn right. Put cans on your car, right. beat your horn. Divorce. Just divorce. I'm excited. I'm single. Get out there and get some new ass. You know what I'm saying? Huh? You don't ran the other ass in the ground, right? I don't want to talk about my wife like that. You ran that ass in the ground, and you're moving on, right? Well, I didn't run any. We had a nice marriage for two No, years. you ran that ass in the ground. I you're don't run people's ass in the ground. All men do. It's, it's not a negative thing to run an ass in the ground. That's all. You ran that shit in the ground. I can rent a car. What's with you? 
Remember what's with me. What are you so glum about? It's just that everybody's getting a chance to get divorced except me. You get divorced. You get divorced. You don't even need to get divorced. Does it? Does his character get, even if he's not in it, does it get a... Mention, sure, yeah, yeah, we talk about him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, oh, man. Is it that his his character has, has passed on the show? Is that how it's... Why am I telling you? I don't know. I'm just telling you. <laughs> I'm not telling you. Um, well, he but was, we do he was, talk he about was so character. funny. And I mean, it, when you think about your time, with and by him the way, the... no, we don't talk about his character dying on the show. Okay. Okay. Why do we need that on a comedy show? I don't know. It's like hugs. Mm-hmm. Hugs work when they're, when you're doing something that's melancholy, that has mm-hmm. levels, hugging is beautiful. Crying is fine. Yeah. But when you're doing something like curb your enthusiasm, where it's about the laughs, real laughs, real situations, mm-hmm. but it ain't about the hug. Yeah. The one time we had a hug was, um, oh, I'm trying to remember her name. She was on The Office. She's gone on to have, have a great career. Uh, she played Richard Lewis's secretary who cried and hugged. Oh, Mindy Kaling. Mindy Kaling. And she cried and hugged Larry, but that was the joke. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the only time yeah. anyone's ever I was going to really say the, the little girl hugged him and he had the water bottle in his pants. Yes, uh, but that uh, wasn't that was an a emotional well. hug. That was, <laughs> yeah, but Mindy, you know, crying about mm-hmm. Richard. Anyhow, that doesn't yeah. fit in our show. There is yeah. no melancholy in no. Curb Your Enthusiasm. No. Every show, see, that's the thing. When you set a tone, there's a tone. That's why I have a thing about very special episodes. Mm-hmm. I almost quit the Goldbergs. Over a very special episode? Yep. Over an episode where my character has skin cancer. And then we mentioned it this year. And I've told them now, if you ever mention, and I'm all healthy, mm-hmm. but I'm like, if you ever mention skin cancer, cancer, any of that, again, death on the Goldbergs, you will not, not have a show with me. Mm-hmm. Because the Goldbergs is about joy and the 80s. And it's also very broad, mm-hmm. very, very broad. There is no place. There's place for warmth. There's mm-hmm. place for hugs. That's mm-hmm. what the third act acts about. We have a joke about the third act. Jokes need not apply. <laughs> but people don't need to be thinking about disease Cancer, when they watch yeah. the Goldbergs. That's my opinion. Yeah. And I was pretty furious. I mean, there is so much comedy about, uh, you know, cancer and death and well, depression. Yeah, but yeah, yes. Do you, do you, me, do you I, like that stuff or do you? I, I love anything that's funny. Mm-hmm. Anything that's well done. Mm-hmm. I dig. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. it's not, there are no rules. You know what I mean? There's no hard and fast rules, mm-hmm. but you should stick with your tone. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. Yeah. Tone is the most important thing in comedy. Right. Yeah. Because the minute as, like, when you watch Pee-wee's Big Adventure, it's a big person in sort of a real world, but it's Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Mm-hmm. And they set the rules. So as long as they stay within those rules, great. If I'm watching a show and then someone says or does something that clearly is so false, you're gone. You're out of it. Mm-hmm. Same with stand-up. Recently, I ba da ba da and then I almost in in my in my life watching other comedians have wanted to stand up and go, "That's not true." Yeah, it's always on the way over here. Yeah, yeah. it's on the way, but it's well, I don't mind that if yeah. it feels true. Uh-huh. If it's on the way yeah. over here, but when it's not true, when it feels false. Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Unless you're a character and you're writing jokes Mm -hmm. and it is false, Mm -hmm. but but you've set the world. You've Mm -hmm. set the tone. Everything is about tone. Tone is the most, besides being funny, 
Tone is the most important thing mm-hmm. in comedy. Conflict t- and tone. Mm-hmm. Uh, just one more thing on Bob Einstein. Is there a is there a memory when you think about your time working with him? Is there a, a story or a, a joke or anything? There's that lots mean, of that, that, by the that way comes that he, did, to mind? he did lots of things. Mm-hmm. I mean that joke that he did, the famous joke he did in the Seinfeld yeah, episode, a really classic was moment. actually two and a half minutes longer. Oh, really? We actually had cut part <laughs> of it. Um, and it still worked like gangbusters. Yeah. I remember being on the set with him and we were filming everyone in his family, something like they died, you know, they, mm. they got run over, you know, because when we do funerals, they're for laughs, yeah. you know, and his mom had gotten run over and um, we're at her funeral, the memorial part. And whatever reason the, the these group of background people that were standing next to bob were really freaky looking like from mm-hmm. outer space yeah like because there's people like that who are available <laughs> who to work background, background. Who, yeah. yeah and our uh, uh, um assistant director dale stern who's gone on to direct veep and mm-hmm. i'm working on something with him he picked these people out well I'm standing there. We're getting ready to shoot the scene. I look over at Larry and I sort of nod my head towards these background people and Bob next to them. And then Larry does a double take when he sees them and he sees Bob. And we know how long until Bob says something. (laughs) Well, they said, uh, you know, everything up until action, speed, like all these things, rolling speed, you know. And then right before action, Bob gets a look at them and then says, well, look at this. These are my best friends. They've come to support me while my mother died. My, It was so funny. I don't know. That's my uh, favorite Bob thing that, that he ever really did on the set. Yeah. And I got to tell you, it took 10 minutes to get everyone yeah. calmed down. Coming up, Jeff weighs in on the great fat shaming debate of 2019. This episode of The Last Laugh is brought to you by Skylight Frame. The holidays are just around the corner. How's your holiday shopping going? I know it's not always easy to find the perfect gift for the people in your life. That's why I want you to check out Skylight Frame. Skylight Frame is a photo frame you can update instantly by email from anywhere. It sets up effortlessly in under 60 seconds. Just plug in, use the touchscreen to connect to your wireless network, and enjoy. Sending photos to Skylight is effortless. Everyone in the family can just email them to your personal Skylight email address, and they'll pop up in seconds. It's great for keeping the family close and connected, especially those who live far away. It has a black frame and white mat, so it looks like a real photo frame that adds a beautiful touch to your home. Skylight Frame has a gorgeous 10-inch touchscreen. You can swipe through photos with your finger and even tap to thank the person who sent a photo. And it's 100% satisfaction guaranteed. If you don't love your Skylight, they'll offer you a full refund, and you can preload it with your favorite photos for a personalized gift. Import pictures of you and the special person in your life that they didn't even know you had. When I heard about the Skylight Frame, I thought, wow, my parents are going to love that. But they're probably listening to this now, so now it won't be a surprise, but that's okay. Now, as a special holiday offer, you can get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame when you go to skylightframe.com and enter code LAUGH. That's right. To get $10 off your purchase of a Skylight Frame, just go to skylightframe.com and enter code LAUGH. That's S-K-Y-L-I-G-H-T 
F-R-A-M-E.com, promo code LAUGH. Another thing that you talk about a lot in the special is your uh, your struggles with food addiction yep. and, and weight and all yep. that stuff. Still um, have them. Uh, your line, ice cream is proof of God, uh, rang very true for me. Oh, yeah. Was, uh, By the way, if you, if, you're, uh, if you don't believe in God and you love ice cream, I'd reexamine things. <laughs> You know, um, but what I wanted to ask you about—I mean, uh, ice cream yeah. is proof of, at worst, that the universe is collective. Mm-hmm. That mm-hmm. there's something, there's some higher power in yeah. the universe. That's the minimal <laughs> that ice cream proves. That it and sex. Yeah, ice the, cream and sex and the birth of children. Mm-hmm. But the birth of children, you in, don't want in to that order: it. ice cream, sex. Well, birth, of, birth children, of children. Or? I think that moment is the most miraculous uh-huh. there is. Yeah. Um, but it's not one you go, oh, you know, I want to have the birth of my child again this week. Yeah. But you do want to have sex and you do want to have ice cream. <laughs> uh, I, I was curious if you followed this whole uh, fat shaming debate that went down between uh, James Corden and Bill Maher. Are you aware of this? Zero. I have Zero? no idea, but please tell me. Okay, I'll and tell I you. I love you when can guys in. like that fight together. <laughs> so the, the, the quick version is that Bill Maher did a whole rant at the end of one of his episodes about how we should bring fat shaming back. <laughs> That's and, funny, though. And, yeah, it's that funny. Is funny. But and Bill that, Maher, by the way, takes this stuff mm-hmm, serious, yeah, too. Yeah. Okay. Um, and that, you know, it's it's enough already, and people need to be shamed if they're fat, and it's unhealthy, and blah, 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 blah. And then uh, a couple of days later, James Corden came on and gave a very emotional um, retort saying, you know, I've been shamed for my weight my whole life, and how could you think that this is, that shaming is good? And it created, and then from there, all this debate happened from okay. between them. So you you didn't hear about this at all. No, but I have an opinion. Okay, on Okay, but yeah. So I want to get your opinion on it. My opinion is this: James Corden needed material. <laughs> yeah. Bill Maher did too. Yeah. But James Corden should have a, a, more of a sense of himself and go, oh well, that's his opinion. Because mm. that's really what this all comes down to yeah. in comedy. That's your opinion. That's your style of comedy. Um, you work your side of the street. I'll work mine. James Corden wanted to be part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so I'm sure it was emotional. And I'm sure James Corden's been fat shamed. I've been fat shamed before. Anyone shamed for anything besides a man bun is inappropriate. <laughs> man buns. I once inadvertently shamed someone about a man bun. Mm-hmm. I talked about this yeah. person's man bun. I didn't know who they were. They were at a party. That person shaved their head. Not bald, <laughs> but like very short. Yeah. And I went, he's, he's a better man because yeah. of it. It worked. Now, the shaming worked. In terms worked. of fat, my take on fat is if you're comfortable, you're good. Mm-hmm. I don't care how fat you are. If you're really fat and you love it, enjoy. Mm-hmm. Everyone should be comfortable and to what degree healthy they want to be. Mm-hmm. You know, I have lost... About 70, over 70 pounds. Yeah, you look great. Thank you. Very slowly, over like five years. Mm -hmm. Slow, 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 slow. I'm still losing. Not that much more, but slowly. I've not dieted during those five years. I will not diet. I think that just the word shaming, (sighs) for someone being fat to shame them is like one of the lowest forms of shame. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? It's like someone 
does something horrible to someone else. Like, you know how we see a white person trying to stop a, a little black girl from selling lemonade and then it's captured on video mm -hmm. and everyone sees it yeah. and she gets shamed? I say delightful. Mm -hmm. I say shame, 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 shame. <laughs> yeah. some, how dare some she? Some things deserve shame. But yes, but someone being fat, to shame them. Let me tell you something about fat people, most fat people, who are not comfortable in their skin. They're living with shame, mm -hmm. their own shame, yeah. every day. So to me, I say to Bill Maher, pick more noble targets. Mm -hmm. And I say to, um, what's the other? James Jesus? Corden. To yeah. James Corden, eh, stay in your lane. Mm -hmm. Let him do his stupid shit. Yeah. You, um, you, you, here's the thing about James Corden. People dig him because he's full of joy and positivity mm. and he's fun. Keep it up, man, because that's what people want from yeah. you. That's the purpose you serve. Doesn't mean you can't be taken seriously, but you don't need your show. The purpose of your show is for one hour, someone, somewhere, either is elevating their joy or they're in some sort of pain or shame themselves, and they need to escape it mm. through you. Yeah. So I say, shame on you, James Corden. <laughs> I do, and not for being fat. Yeah. And and uh, Bill Maher, you can do better. Yeah. Yeah. There's my opinion. That's a good. That was good. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what I want to do now is a little bit of a, a speed round where we go through uh, some of your credits that we have not talked about yet because you have a lot of them. Okay. And uh, if there's a, a memory or, or just thought that, that comes to mind about your, okay. uh, about your time. I also may tell you whether it's good or bad, okay. the project. Yeah. Because, you know, when I'm a younger man. I'm doing things for the experience mm -hmm. that led to relationships yeah. that led to quality work. And then also, as a younger man, I'm doing things just for the money. Mm -hmm. so. Uh, so your first TV credit that I saw is on Roseanne. Is that right? Um, is that my? That may be my first TV credit. What do you and remember, I remember about Roseanne that? Roseanne being on a diet, mm -hmm. not being in a good mood. I remember uh, convincing a friend of mine did that episode too. And there's two memories I have. One is we took a third friend of ours, my friend Tom Virtue, was on the show, and we convinced Richard Kind that he had gotten fired <laughs> for getting in a fight with John Goodman and Roseanne, which was a lie. But my big memory. There were I was in this the the bar I think it's called the Lobo, and next to me were these two extras. They they looked to be in their forties, both very big husky men, mm -hmm. and they both had a, a extra type of conversation mm -hmm. while the cameras rolled, except they never had give and take. In other words, they both kept on talking enthusiastically at the <laughs> but, same time. But they weren't talking. I was so mystified by it that I missed my cue. <laughs> I couldn't get over it. So that's a memory of that. Uh, you uh, famously played uh, Larry Lumen Large on Baywatch. Yes. And I did that because it's Baywatch, Bosoms and pretty colors, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and I did not take myself seriously. <laughs> As I said, I'm only a good enough uh, actor to rise above uh, bad material, and that was uh, pretty much bad material. Yeah. But I, my big memory was it's my worst acting because of the reason I just told you, mm -hmm. but it's also my best acting. I had a lot of scenes with David Hasselhoff because I was the villain, mm -hmm. and uh, he was mad at me, and all I kept on thinking was, ah, David Hasselhoff! That's all I thought to myself, and I didn't laugh. So good acting. Yeah. Uh, 
your first uh, recurring role, I think, was on Mad About You. Mad About You, and I'm doing it again. Oh, you're so back? They're bringing, they're bringing Mad About You back, and they asked me to come back for That's an episode. Fun. Yeah, it's great fun. And I have a great um, respect for Helen Hunt and Paul Reiser. Um, they uh, and, and John Pankow also, mm-hmm. by the way, who was on the show. I'll explain why with him in a second. Yeah, because as a direct lineage to curb your enthusiasm, um, Paul and Helen treated me like a king. I was on for three seasons in a recurring role, including the the finale, and I had a ball. Mm-hmm. And they just welcomed my character. They brought my character for no reason into their home. <laughs> I worked in the sporting <laughs> shop, but. My big memory of that is John Pankow, wonderful actor, and John, you know, he's the he's the the um, sidekick to Paul's character, is Paul's cousin, and he's got a lot of screen time. Suddenly, I'm brought in for a few, you know, f- half a dozen episodes a year, and I'm given a lot of funny to do, and Paul was great to me. I mean, I mean, Paul, I mean, uh, John Pankow. Yeah was so kind and supportive and and here I am taking screen time away from him no mm-hmm. doubt about it yeah. and he was the best well let's flip it around JB Smoove comes on curb and to this day he's doing scenes that I might have otherwise been doing mm-hmm. I love doing scenes with JB yeah. but I have done nothing and it's very easy cuz I love the dude but show JB love and support mm-hmm. I'm also a producer on curb yeah. so him making the show great yeah. helps all of us but n- I learned that I mean it's a natural thing I mm-hmm. have but I also saw it work with John Pankow, and I passed it on in my experience with JB. That's great. Yeah. Uh, what do you uh, remember? I know you you were you lived with Conan in yes, Chicago. Yes, Chicago. Yes. And then, so what? So when did he first put you on his show? And what do you remember about sort of being on I his show on his for the first time? I was on his show very early on, and uh, I remember. Well, I, I remember having a great time. Mm. You know, Robert Smigel was initially the executive producer mm. for a, quite a while. He was never fired. He sort of backed out of that at a certain point, but for quite a while. And Robert and Conan thought it would be best that I didn't come out and do stand-up, that I just did panel. Mm. And Bob Odenkirk at that time also said to me that it's so funny the way that they have me doing it because I act like I'm a huge star. Mm -hmm. Even though I wasn't, I acted like it. I assumed I was. (laughs) And that was the premise of all the bits that I did. My big thing with Conan as friends, all I told him in our private time together was, I know it's hard sometimes, Listen to everyone. Listen, listen, listen. Don't have your agenda. And by listening, he came up with a lot of funny lines, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I, yeah, if I ever do just one talk show, as long as he's on the air, that's the one. Yeah. Even though I have relationships with everybody else. But he's just. Yeah, I remember I read somewhere he's that. So, yeah. He's one of the funniest people I've ever yeah, met. Absolutely. I mean, he, he, Amy Sedaris, Mitch Hurwitz, um, a few others. Mm. Holy crap. Funny. Uh, Eddie Murphy is the quickest person I've ever worked with. Um, yeah, I mean, Conan is gut grabbing hysterical. Mm-hmm. I remember after he got uh, lost the Tonight Show, I read that you said you wouldn't go on that show again. Has that maintained? Well, no, the, not that I wouldn't Fallon? go on Tonight Show. I wouldn't go on with, um, with Leno. With Leno. Yeah. And I didn't. Yeah. And I think 
If I'm not mistaken, only two of us didn't, myself and Tom Hanks, if I'm not mistaken. One of us had a lot more to risk. (laughs) I mean, I don't know that that was, I mean, it didn't cost me one way or another. Talk shows are, even back then, are not as powerful Mm. as they once were. But I felt that what Jay did to Conan was wrong. And I also felt that what Conan did to himself was wrong. Conan, by the way, you know, it's not that you don't take a chance, but Conan was so good in that 1230 hour. Mm -hmm. And so was Letterman. Letterman was at his best in the 1230 hour. And look, he went on to be, and he's still my hero, one of my heroes, David Letterman. But he was so perfect in that 1230 era. If you could, if I could go back and give Conan advice, I'd just say, don't even go for the Tonight just Show. Just stay there, yeah. Let somebody else do that. That's mainstream crap. Mm-hmm. Conan is not mainstream. Yeah. See, that's the reason why, in all sincerity, why it didn't work mm-hmm. is because Conan's about comedy. Mm-hmm. And the 11.30 or 10.30 Central Time, mm-hmm. the Tonight Show is about mainstream. Mm-hmm. And that's not who Conan is. Yeah. Conan is about comedy. Comedy is not mainstream. Mainstream comedy is not for comedy fans. <laughs> right. It's really not. Yeah. Just like real music fans, mainstream music is not for mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing with comedy. And Conan doesn't fit in there. Yeah. Conan I... is, you know, not a pop star. He's a rock and roll star. <laughs> yeah, you know? I think he's funnier on his podcast now than he than he's I heard been it's in a while. Great. I got to do TV. it. You know yeah. what? You reminded me. I got to do it. As a matter of fact, when I leave here, I'm going to call my <laughs> go straight almost, over there. Yeah, well, I'm not going to go straight <laughs> over there, but I'm like, oh shoot, I got to go on Conan's podcast. Uh, you, um, I love podcasts. Yeah. by the way, it's my yeah. favorite form. As a matter of fact. I don't think I have any. T- I, I tried booking talk shows. It didn't quite work out the way I wanted, mm-hmm. and so I'm not doing any, to yeah. my knowledge. I'm just doing. I'm doing some TV appearances, yeah, well, but uh, I'm doing only podcasts. I mean, speaking of part. comedy fans, I mean that's where that's comedy where you fans can reach. are in podcasts. Yeah, exactly. People who I want watching my special are listening to your show. I hope so. I know so. <laughs> I know so. And I don't know that they'll dig my special because comedy is a very personal thing, but I hope they do, and I'm really proud of it. So. I, I think they will. Well, that's kind of you to say, and I, I hope so. A um, couple of questions to end with. Uh, one is you've worked with, with so many funny people over, over your career. Is there someone who stands out to you as the funniest person to work with, to be with in person? Okay, the funniest person that I act with ever and have since we were uh, kids is Amy Sedaris. Mm -hmm. Amy Sedaris has been in, I think, all of my projects, almost all. No, she didn't do uh, Dealing with Idiots, my baseball one. Mm -hmm. She wasn't available. But she did... um, handsome and she did uh, I want someone to eat yeah, cheese yeah. with and she'll be in everything else that I do I mean th- I will write something for her even the lead opposite me I think uh, you know what I really think and now it's just coming to me she and I should do a, a romantic comedy where we're the leads that would be great yeah we work so well together we love each other she's one of my dearest friends and there's nobody when I'm acting that makes me laugh like mm. her in scenes. As a matter of fact, in Handsome, my, my uh, Netflix mystery yes, movie yes. that's currently on Netflix that I'm very proud of, there's a moment where she does something and I laugh. Mm-hmm. 
And when I was editing it, I chose not to take it out because I thought, you know what? The character would laugh yeah. at this moment. Handsome, we need to talk now. Yes, Lieutenant. Yes. You didn't fill out your retirement papers. You put me out here for that? I thought you should know. Of course I know. I'm the one who didn't fill them out. Don't try to complicate things with your sweet talk. Sweet talk? You poor, innocent kid. You just don't get it, do you? Oh. What were we talking about? I have no idea. Believe me, I'll remember. And when I do, you'll know, Missy. Connie! Because we, we do that on Curb. We're very proud of the mm-hmm. fact that Larry and I, when something happens, we just laugh. I love that. You, there's um, a lot of laughing on the show, yeah. Which you don't see. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, prior to Curb, I don't think you ever saw it. And that was always my problem with network sitcoms, was that people didn't laugh. Even on Seinfeld, I don't feel like they laughed. Oh, they laughed. They, they smiled. Yeah. It was there. The joy was there. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it wasn't as freeing as yeah. Curb is. Curb is like Seinfeld to another level, right. you yeah. know. Although Seinfeld is perfect as far as I'm concerned. Yep. But Mary Tyler Moore, they didn't laugh a lot. Mm. They did sometimes. Mm-hmm. You could see them. Um but our show, I think, is the first one that just let it rip, mm. the, the, the laughter. But, yeah, Amy Sedaris is unequivocally, as an actor, the funniest person I work with ever. All right. Well, thank you so much. This was a delight to it talk to you. It was my delight. You're excellent. And I look forward to our next time. That's great. Yeah. All right. Thank you again to Jeff Garland for that super fun chat. His new Netflix special, Our Man in Chicago, is streaming now. The Goldbergs is currently airing on Wednesday nights at 8 p.m. on ABC, and Curb Your Enthusiasm returns for its 10th season on HBO in January 2020. If you enjoy this show, please tell your friends and rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. You can find me on Twitter at Matt Wilstein and at TheDailyBeast.com. And please follow at LastLaughPod on Instagram. The Last Laugh is distributed by Himalaya Media for The Daily Beast. It is produced by Jason Smith and Scott Porch for Starburns Audio and edited by Mackenzie Mazell. Our theme music is by Claude, who you can find on Instagram at claude.mp3. You can find the show every week on Apple Podcasts, the Himalaya app, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can find show notes and highlights from each episode on thedailybeast.com. See you next week! Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.